Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Nate, and you're joining us for our ongoing Watch Club series of The Mandalorian Season 2. This is the way, geeks. Welcome back to Watch Club. I am so stoked to discuss this incredible final episode of Season 2. We're going to give you our thoughts, and then we're going to talk about where we think the story is going and where the series is going. But first, let's introduce you to the wonderful ragtag team we've assembled today. Joining me, as always... We have the Jolly Django of Juxtapositional Justifiability, Justin. Awesome. Nice. Right? I, I think I've only used one of those words before. So I like the Django. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in a hologram right next to him, we have the king of killer kosher Clatoonian Kadu ribs, Kevin Hudson. That's nice. I'm looking out for my downstairs neighbor. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Making some kosher cadu ribs. Uh, and guys, joining us for the first time, making his geek-centric debut, we have a very special guest joining us. The majestic Mustafarian Mandalorian master of mystical midichlorians, Monroe Chambers. All right. <laughs> Thanks for having me, everybody. We're so stoked to have you on the show uh, to hear your thoughts on this finale. But before we get into any of that, would you mind telling us uh, and our listeners uh, who you are and how you fell in love with this galaxy far, far away? Yeah, I'm Andrew Chambers. Uh, I'm an actor based out of Canada, and uh, I'm a I'm a geek like you, fine gentlemen. I, I don't think I'm at your level, but I'm a <laughs> I'm a, I'm an inspired learner when it comes to being geek centric. In this realm of being like a geek, I think you have to have a certain humbleness to you, not knowing that you don't know everything. And that's where I'm at. I feel like I know a little bit, but I really want to learn a lot more with the lore, the legend and everything in between. So I got it from my father and his father before him. (laughs) And and he, uh, you know, I just remember watching Return of the Jedi. Uh, as a really young guy, kind of in between Maple Leaf games and uh, just watching Empire Strike Back, and I, you know, he, uh, you know, he was the first introduction for me and my brothers, and so it's uh, it hits close to home, so it's a lot of fun. I want to say how much of a fan I am of this podcast for Aww. the reason of the three of you. I think the three of you are, are hilarious together because, Nate, you are, very shortly, Nate, you are so optimistic and you see the <laughs> brightness and everything, Too and optimistic. then Kevin... You have such a critical high standard, which I love. I got to say, I love it because you hold the franchise and you hold this empire into a high standard, which I liked. And then, Justin, I really like how you are like the balance in the force. He's <laughs> like, the middle. You're He's literally the middle in the middle. For yeah. sure. You are the, the great Jedi, Jedi in yeah, between. Yeah, yeah. But I say I think it's wonderful. I just wanted to get that out there because I forgot at the beginning I wanted to mention that. And I, I, I feel like I do myself a disservice and geek-centric disservice. But I want to say... I really am happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Well, before we kind of dive in uh, a little bit further, um, I wanted to kind of move into uh, a writing question, actually, from she's a she was a previous guest on the podcast. Uh, We have a writing question from Megan Clara dot draws over on Instagram. Go check out her work when you get a chance. She writes in and says, hey, geeks. With all the wonderful characters portrayed on this season of The Mandalorian, I want to know which one is your favorite and why? New or old, it doesn't matter. Uh, Let's start with our guest, Monroe. Who was your favorite character coming out of season two? I think I have to go with Rosari Dawson. I think for me, she hit it out of the park um, with just really, really getting a good sense of the tone of what Star Wars is. I think Mm. she held weight in her words for characters you didn't know were there or that uh, people who understand who like what um grand admiral thrawn is like Mm -hmm. she held that weight but she also had this presence to her that you felt like she truly understood uh the character that she was portraying cool yeah i i i freaking adored every minute of uh of seeing her as ahsoka that was uh yeah that was dope well i've been i've been watching the clone wars now and i just like started getting into it i'm in season three now 
Um, but I really loved your podcast when you guys were talking about snips mm. and like the little quirks she had, the little line deliveries, the little looks. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's like you guys said in, in the podcast, it really showed that she did her homework mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she she really went in depth. So I, I just think she knocked out of the park, especially for a character that had so much weight to it. Yeah. And as a fan casting, that's what you want, though, right? Is that that sort of attention to detail where it's like, yeah, you know, if, if the fans want me to play this, then I want to know how to be that character. So, yeah, it's absolutely true. Cool. Kevin, who was your favorite character and why? Uh, I mean, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon because like as somebody who is only now getting into the Clone Wars and um, really didn't know Ahsoka, um, I just thought she was so excellent in that one singular episode. And Mm. of anybody, I'm almost most interested to see where her story and arc goes. So I think that episode it's probably still the standout from the whole season just because of the interest that it that it gave me in in her character and where she might uh end up and it made you want to watch clone wars right and i think that was such and a huge it, yes and, right? and and so i i'm not on season three yet i think that's uh amazing because uh, there's so many episodes but uh, i have finished season one and can't wait to keep going very cool. That's, that's what quarantine does, man. You just rip through. Right. <laughs> you jump on the bandwagon, just get going. Um, Justin. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, Ahsoka did, uh, Ahsoka was great, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see her on screen, but I think my favorite character that we were introduced to uh, this season was actually the first new character we saw at the beginning of the uh, of episode one, which was uh, Cobb Vanth. Yes. And uh, I love Timothy Oliphant's character. I was really hoping he would be in that ragtag group of, of people that would be, you know, aboard to the rescue. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I hope that, you know, he comes back and we see we see more of him. Um, but, you know, it was a great character. Uh, Timothy Oliphant did such a great job with that character. Um, I think it was, yeah, fantastic. I think we'll see him again. I think we'll definitely see him again. Uh, and, you know, we can talk a little bit about that near the end of our episode, maybe where we might see him again. But, uh, Megan, to answer your question um, for myself, uh, my favorite character was not a character that was necessarily introduced in this season, but is a new character to the Star Wars world, um, which is Miggs Mayfield. Um, I just thought he, again, in the first ep- episode that he was in, he was kind of, he was okay. Uh, he was cheeky, Bostonian, but he really came into his own on uh, on the, one of the more recent uh, episodes that he was in, and he he just brought a level of realism to the Star Wars world and to these characters and to Din Djarin that I think helped so much with character development, not only for him, but also for Din as well. And I Man, just love that that sense of realism. You would, you would give the guy an Emmy if you could tomorrow. <laughs> I, I probably would. I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> well, Megan, thank you so much for writing in uh, for this episode. Again, uh, MeganClara.Draws on Instagram. Go check her out. She does some awesome artwork. And go back and listen to our previous episode uh, with her that we've done on the Geekcentric Podcast. Guys, with every episode, uh, the finale is no different. Uh, the Mandalorian Chapter 16, The Rescue, directed... By Peyton Reed. Shocking. Right? <laughs> I was so shocked when I saw that at the end. You guys I, are like I was, 0 for 3 with director predictions. I just yeah. have to put that out there. Friggin' IMDb has failed us in terms of, of listing the actual directors. 100%. So yeah. we're not Never going off that. trust IMDb. Yeah, we'll just yeah, wait yeah. until the episode drops moving forward to understand who directed it. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm completely torn. I've watched it now twice, and I... I'm so torn on how I feel based mm. on everything that's happened this season. What I, as a greedy Star Wars viewer and fan, what I wanted to what we got. I think the one thing I will say is watching this over, it had some of the best action sequences I've seen in Mandalorian. For sure. I, I think it had some really nice moments. I think it had some really cool shout outs to future series we're going to see that was released. I think you saw some really great camaraderie of like, um, like some really badassness from things that we're not used to in this type of genre uh, that I think was wonderful. Um, but I was left expecting them to do something different. I was expecting them. There's a couple placements I, I will talk about later that I just think some things happened too early for me. I was expecting certain things to happen that I think should have happened in season four or five or season three, if they were going to cap it at three. And I'm torn. Because I loved moments, but I think the moments were placed in the wrong season at the wrong finale. Interesting. Interesting. Kevin, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You're always a little more critical. 
<laughs> a little. <laughs> I'm gonna go full Sith here because hey, I think I think what this episode finally definitively told me was this is never going to be a very good television show. The, the writing's weak. Uh, there's so many just meh points about it, but. In terms of servicing the fandom and just giving us everything we want to see in a Star Wars television show, it delivers every single time. Mm. And this episode is no exception. I, I, I had so many issues with just how bad this episode was, how cheesy it kind of felt leading up to that big moment when all of a sudden you see the green lightsaber and I was just like, yep, I'm in. I just want to watch him mow down these dark troopers and be the Jedi that we didn't get to see in any of the sequel trilogy. Like we kind of like, it's, it's like that moment of Darth Vader in rogue one. And it was like, now that's the Darth Vader you're afraid of, you know? And so we got to see Luke be that badass Jedi that we never got to see in the sequel, in, in the sequels. And so again, I think, I think I'm I'm just going to from now on if when season 3 comes out I'm just going to be like I should not expect very much but hopefully I get an easter egg here or there and I'll really appreciate that. Interesting. Justin, to Kevin's point about, you know, uh seeing Luke be the amazing Jedi that everyone knows and says that he is, but we've never seen. Uh this episode definitely defined that and it's also very similar to how it defined Boba Fett earlier right. this season right like really yeah. gave depth to his badass nature um the episode though i enjoyed very thoroughly um yeah. there are things that i didn't like but uh yeah i think this is the perfect balance of what was star wars and what can be star wars well i i hate to be the optimist here but i loved this episode a lot i thought it was really really fantastic um and yes there are definitely some fan servicey things but you know i think there are um, I think we have to give Filoni and Favreau a little bit of leeway. Granted, this is only season two. Uh, and granted, they've made a lot of Star Wars in the past. But this is their first crack at a live-action Star Wars series. And I think we can afford them a little bit of... You know, they can get a little giddy. They can get a little excited. They can throw their toys in one basket to make everyone happy and come up with sort of loose plot plot reasons as to why that should all be happening. God, I hope that's how they write episodes. I think, but I, I think, I think that's, you know, when we get to season three or, or potentially further on, or even in some of these other series, you know, there were hints, there were moments in this episode that I saw where I was like, this this would be phenomenal to to expand upon some of the darker, some of the more realism, some of the more realistic aspects um, to the the humanity within Star Wars. I think is something that we could get at a Game of Thrones level, um, but uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Guys, let's go beat by beat here, starting with that incredible opening scene. Uh, you can really tell the pace of these episodes based on their openers, and we dive right into the middle of an epic chase scene where our heroes capture and retrieve Dr. Pershing. Guys, what did you think of the opening moment uh, for this episode? What cafeteria did they go to to find out the location of this ship? Like, they went to so many lengths to find Moff right. Gideon's ship, but they just yeah. found this guy on a, on a random Lambda-class T-4A <laughs> shuttle um, you know, I had to look it up, uh, but <laughs> yeah. like, come on, like, I thought it was so silly that we, we literally spent a whole episode for them to find Moff Gideon, but here's this very important character just floating around the universe. How did they find him? Yeah, that, right. I, that was the first question that came to my mind as well, was like, how did they locate him after the adventure of of what happened, but maybe there was another adventure that happened and we just didn't see it or it wasn't right. important. Uh, but I think though the, the stealing that ship or getting that ship was integral for them to actually be able to board Moff Gideon's ship, right? Effectively. So I think it just kind of played into it. So obviously there was another plan that was planned. They just thought, hey, we're not going to make an episode out of it, right? So <laughs> you know what I mean? I really feel like that those two statements and it's it's so funny you mentioned the cafeteria scene because we're listening to the previous podcast on the previous episode how it's like the facial recognition how did they get the i thought that was such a funny timbit yeah what you guys you guys said about that but i i agree i think that's what this episode there the weakness of this episode was i feel like it was like four or five episodes of into one yeah i think mm. this episode was like okay we're gonna follow the theory of uh why 
you're getting Grogu's blood. Okay, you're getting to the theory of why... Like, with that scene where you look at, um... Uh, sorry, um... Snoke. Mm-hmm. What we think is Snoke there. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, okay, that's gonna be the episode. Okay, that's gonna be a little bit more of it. Then we just forget about him. We don't even just, we don't even see him again after this opening sequence. Mm-hmm. And I also... My, my first question was, okay, why are we here... The doctor's here, so the doctor's should be pretty integral, but we don't see him ever again after that. Yeah. Right. Uh, which was so confusing. Yeah. And then also, I was like, why did why did the pilot kill his buddy? I, I didn't understand why why he well, killed I, him out of no reason. I, was I like, think, yeah, I think, I think, I think two things. If we're willing to suspend our disbelief a little bit, if you, if you will, maybe that USB key that they got in the previous episode had Dr. Pershing's location as well somehow. Who knows? But... Also, that's not how Star Empire, Wars works, man. It's uh, you know what? Who are you <laughs> to say? Rules. Uh, yeah, it yeah, works yeah. that way or not? You're justifying BS. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, but no, the imperial, you know, imperial um officers, imperial anything, they're 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 a lot of them are at different levels, and I thought it was actually really cool to see that one guy go like, listen, I'm not really with him. Like, I'm I'm you know, you get to see that side of of these human beings again this realism that comes up of like this is a human and he might be scared of the outcome and then you get this other guy who's dedicated he's dedicated like the believer he's dedicated like um valen hess that we saw in the previous episode to the point where he's like no like i i will shoot this guy who maybe is my friend who knows but guys like a couple things that stood out to me in this scene like first off how menacing and huge the slave one is in that moment when it just like comes up in front of the ship like i was like those those imperial pilots need to change their pants right now because that was terrifying um right and then and then again yeah that 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 really that crazy moment uh, again where we got to see this guy sort of just be like you know do you know how many people were on those death stars do you know how many people you killed yeah um and it just shows that there's there's no good guys in this in this entire galaxy it's, it's true but clerk's Clerks did that whole idea better, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the one thing with the, the opening sequence, just to close off what I thought about it, I really thought that this was a, again, this is a lead-in to series that are coming up. I thought this was Cara Dune's moment to show yeah. uh, Rangers of the New Republic. I think I loved like, how you called out that one speech was so menacing, just like uh, the episode before where you see that menacing, he's totally bought in. But I think this was a moment, and you saw that emotion in Cara Dune's face where you got to see her her reason for her purpose her, her the, the the driving force and i think that's what and maybe that's what this episode was maybe this episode literally was okay these are the branches we're going and it wasn't just about a, it wasn't about a finale sorry i'm cutting sorry i'm no no taking no. words right out of your mouth <laughs> no though, you're Justin, you're but. you're in my mind right now and you're you're literally <laughs> thinking that this is where i was gonna go is is that that scene's about cara dune and really setting up what will be the new rangers it gives her the motivation and purpose in that show to your point overarching this episode is that branch idea because now with 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 the events that will eventually lead up to you see the potential of not necessarily it all being handled in Mandalorian and the in the Mandalorian show but mm-hmm. new offshoots that are going to happen so it, it, it was kind of that that ongoing theme of what we would see in this episode but yeah Cara, that, that was all about Cara Dune next up our heroes know that they might need a little more firepower so they look to recruit Bo-Katan or Bo-Katan as, uh, as Gideon calls her uh, and Koska Reeves um, we get a similar scene to season one episode one but this time uh, two Mandos walk into a bar which sounds like a setup for a joke um, but, uh, but Din says uh, he needs their help and Bo-Katan uh, says not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters some of us serve a higher purpose guys what do we think of this moment uh, her her reluctance to help um, did you ever think in your life that you would ever be excited to see Sasha Banks wrestling Boba Fett uh, Kevin I know you're a huge wrestling fan what was that move that she did with her jetpack? Uh, what was that? She had him in a headlock. What would you call that? I don't know. A crossbody slam. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it was so cool, guys. What did you guys think of this uh, this moment? Oh, uh, this is our first sort of like glimpse at the action choreography that would be in this episode. Like even just yeah. for what that little scene was, the 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 fight choreography of it was was very well done and the way the camera moves around and the way everything was edited it didn't feel abrupt or very like just sort of quick and and meaningless it actually felt very meaningful to have these two characters who you know one is fairly new and we're seeing yet again Boba Fett interacting with other characters like now characters that are coming from 
Star Wars, like Clone Wars and, and Rebels lore with, with Bo-Katan. It was interesting. It was cool to just start to see like that meshing starting to happen, right? So Yeah, I loved seeing, um, like I loved hearing Bo-Katan, like, you, you know, to your point in talking to Boba Fett and having that back and forth. And she says, you mean your donor, right? And she's yeah. like, I've heard, or mm-hmm. I, the line where she says, I've heard your voice a thousand times. Like, it, it's such incredible dialogue because like, you know, again, we have these two characters that we never predicted we ever get to see interact. And I love how this show is kind of opening these doors and and kind of giving fans not only what they want to Kevin to your point, but also things that they didn't ever think that they would want. And and uh, I don't know. I thought that was so exciting. I just I just resent incredible dialogue. Let's let's <laughs> let's stop saying that about this show altogether. You, you, you there don't think those are like great lines? Dialogue. It's so wooden and forced. What? Like the ideas they're projecting are great, but the way they're doing it is so stilted and forced. I thought it was really good back and forth. Yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it did what it was meant to do. Right, like I, I it's literally just to move the story forward. Right, I, I think that certain moments and scenes should be thought out and written well and and the dialogue should feel very it should also be presented in a very natural real way but i think that for this for what this scene was was to do it you know just to show an, an immediate conflict right and set up what could be a future conflict between all of those mandalorians right so I really think it was interesting just to that point of like uh, you're a clone. I think there's a there's a, a real discrimination towards clones in this universe. Like you see it in the clone where so heavy where they really resent the clones. There's something that they just don't like about them. And I like that it's it like really even comes down even to the Mandalorian. Like you see it even here. I'm like, wow, they really don't like these people. But it, I never really saw that all like I, the, the dialogue in this scene specifically. I wasn't totally against i thought i thought it was fine but what i liked was the standoff between um the complete different ideology of what the mandalorian armor represents i think it was so interesting that uh bo-katan and her and and sasha banks her character um that they have their ideology of what mandalorian is din Djarin has his and then boba fett has his because he got his like because of where um uh jango fett how he got his uh, armor and how that how it was gifted and so it's like it's a creed it's a family it's a civilization it's higher it's a like very hierarchy so i thought that was a really cool sequence and then again adds to what i really liked about this whole episode which was the fight sequence and i like that they're adding um professional wrestlers into the universe i think i think that's i think that's smart I think that they can do the action sequences. Star Wars has never been known for depthful um, Sorkin-like dialogue, so they can they can make it dynamic and powerful and have some weight. So if you can have a performance like from a professional wrestler that can have some weight to them, like I would like to see. Um, oh, I forget his name. Who's in the WWE? Bray Wyatt, like a guy like him who's like very menacing. It'd be interesting to see if how like other actors like that would fall into place in these kind of worlds. But I liked it. I just think it was a very interesting setup for, again, what we are going to find out later in the episode of yeah. where this is really going to branch off for the series. Yeah, future conflicts, right? Like future conflicts between all, as you were describing, all of those like hierarchy ideologies of of what this religion of Mandalore looks like. So This, again, sets up for what I believe the this, this series is going to go towards, yeah. which is why I'm conflicted by w- this episode. I thought this whole series was about one thing for two seasons. Now we're finding out, okay, they're actually, to uh, Kevin, to your point in the previous episode, what the name of the show really is about. So this scene really set up for, okay, this show is going to be about the Mandalorian. And it's going to be about Mandalore, the Mandalorian, and (laughs) who they all are. And it's now set up to everything i think it was just a great setup for that by having those four standing mm-hmm. there fighting mm-hmm. and we'll get we'll definitely get further into that so after some aggressive negotiations uh they agree to join the team if mando agrees to help bo katan uh, take back mandalore and uh allows her to keep gideon's ship while devising a plan pershing informs them of the dark troopers where and where grogu is held uh bo katan makes uh makes it incredibly clear she needs to be the one to take gideon out 
out. Uh, they stage a fake chase, which gets them onto the ship in that stolen Lambda shuttle that Kevin mentioned earlier. Uh, and then we get these four incredibly badass women storming through, taking out troopers left and right. Guys, what did we think of these soldiers and, and how they all sort of... I, 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 was, I thought it was so cool how they had all, all their different styles of how to take out these, these enemies. I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to just jump in right now. Like, Mando told Gideon he was coming, but his only defense is a bunch of crappy stormtroopers. <laughs> and then later he's got to fire up the dark troopers. Like, have them waiting. Have them be the, the challenge they have to... Like, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, But Kevin, they use too much energy. They can't... They run on D, <sighs> DL cell batteries or something. Like, <laughs> you have to keep them charged. Well, and and or those pirates... DSL. Blew up all the energy in the last one, right? All the fuel yeah. in the in the last episode. I, exactly, like, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just like stupid stormtroopers there for fodder, and it was easy, and and there was no challenge, and it was I don't know. It was so cool though. <laughs> I thought it was epic. I I really did. I again, I Kevin, I agree with you though. I again, what I thought this episode was going to be about, I thought it'd be a way more challenging for them to get in. But I think I think it was epic. I think again, setting up what Cara Dune's rangers are going to be could look like it was epic i think I, I i also think though there was two sequences there's there was a sequence when they first get into the hangar and when they're kind of battling through the pillars there wasn't a lot of gunfire which i was confused about i felt like they were like stalling more than than the second sequence there's a lot more gunfire i would have liked to see the gunfire throughout mm. i would have liked to have seen to kevin's point a little bit more challenge at the very beginning where they turn and start shooting right away because they were being epic i just didn't think there was enough gunfire throughout to really show how badass these characters are but i think the four of them were just epic as hell and i really liked how the mandalorian um how Bo-Katan, how they like flew away then come back up like that sequence yeah. I was going to say. Bill Mary Taylor, it was great. <laughs> but I just, I, I got to say, like, that sequence where each one of their own strengths was highlighted, right? Like, again, the Mandalorians with their jetpack moment, Fennec with her aiming abilities, and then Cara Dune when her gun stops working and she just starts bashing, bashing troopers yeah, yeah. in the face. Yeah. Like, cool. It just shows each individual, it shows their, their sort of inju- individual attributes, but through the way that they fight and I just thought that was so cool but like when you're watching it and it's like oh my gun's jammed and she's bashing it to make it work better like that's not awesome (laughs) it was awesome you know what though I I just like though that but I like though that that was like a weird sort of that was just a to your Kevin's point, a tacky, cheesy sort of thing, just so that she could use that gun as a massive club a, that just beat beat them. Melee so was, weapon instead I of. Was, I actually laughed, right? Like, she, of course, her gun is jammed, and she's going to yeah. use this thing as a big weighted hammer that just smashes them. But yeah, to your point, Nate, it was cool to see each of them have their own fighting style and their own dynamic. But I also think it's just really cool to see, like, a group of badass chicks that I think were probably more badass than. Uh, Harley Quinn movie. Sure. Uh, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or in <laughs> Avengers flat, Endgame yeah. when they all teamed up and ran like, no, it, it was, it was, it was better than those. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was, no, it was it handled wasn't. better. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it, was. it was handled yeah, it was. better. You I would say like it was. the Avengers one? Yeah, it was fine. But I'm not going to say this one was better. It was sure. a minute and a half long and, and just, it was like cool. The difference there is that Avengers, the Avengers Endgame, it was nice to see it, but it was literally done so that audience would see it. This was written in a way so that it made sense, right? Like the they found themselves as a team boarding the ship and taking it down. Whereas like that shot of all the women coming together, it's like- It was almost just like a, it was almost just like to show an imagery of unity. Exactly. Where this was actual unity exactly. of individual characters showing their individual traits of how badass they are to make a team. Well said. But how badass can you be against stormtroopers? They're stormtroopers. I could kick the crap out of stormtroopers. <laughs> I could just run down a hallway and kick the crap. They would miss me with their guns. But in this universe, they're still scared of them. Like, we yeah. know because we see them. We know stormtroopers can't shoot. We know the droids can't shoot. But in this universe, they don't know they, that. Beca- I th- they don't know that. They're yeah. just unaware. Yeah. And, and that's where, like, you're, um, I forgot the term you used, but the disbelief, like the... Um, suspending stri- disbelief. Suspending yeah. disbelief. I love that term. Because with things like this, like that's Kevin. Kevin, I love how you are so critical of it. How it should you? Because I like that you want it to be Better. to this level, more clever. You want, you I want, want it to, to be more clever. smarter. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. But then I think we also need to understand that what the original films were of still staying there. I think that's what they want to keep. 
Yeah. Mm. Like, I, I think Sony wants to keep it there. Yeah. Which I agree with you, though. I want them to take, like, one of my notes here, I want them to take more risks. Right. I want them to take more things like that, but I don't think that's in the pudding. I, I, my biggest beef is not the the believability or the credibility or any of that. It's, it's right. throwing around words like, Epic, legendary, amazing. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's none of these things. The the fantastic dialogue. No, yeah. the dialogue. The yeah. amazing fight choreography. No, the fight choreography. Like, we throw <laughs> sure. around adjectives to this show that it doesn't deserve. That's my beef. Well, listen, before uh, Kevin gets a chance to... Uh, punch my my Beskar covered head into a wall any further. Uh, let's continue here. They they get to the bridge only to discover that Moth Gideon isn't there. Uh, and then with the dark troopers activated, we catch up with Din getting to those blast doors just in time, or so we thought. As one of the dark troopers rips the doors open to get through. Uh, what results is an incredibly brutal fight, uh, and I will use those adjectives. Guys, what did we think of the Dark Troopers uh, and their punching abilities uh, in this scene? Well, I'm going to just say it, but it was amazing to see uh, <laughs> um, Din use the Beskar spear, just like he did as Oberyn Martell, like, and just go That's to cool. town at the end. Why, why do you keep your, your most feared and... and prized fighting force in a room with an airlock like that's so <laughs> stupid well i think i think so it's so that dumb. they could fly out so they could fly out right like that's where they so they're in. easy to dispatch yeah, okay yeah. fine that's a decent idea oh i like that answer that justin fies it sure <laughs> that is why they showed it mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. i like that it wasn't an onslaught of them that were after him i like that it was just one that we could kind of see a little bit more of what this this Death Trooper looks like and how it operates for future. Who 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 knows if we won't see more? I, I just have to really quickly on the Dark Troopers. I I love though how you know again. I think this speaks to the writing. They're they're honestly the perfect enemy for Din Djarin because not only do they play off his fear of droids, but the line that Pershing says near the beginning of the episode about how the biggest flaw in the previous versions of the Dark Troopers were the humans inside of them, and I and that's kind of what Mando could have become, right? Like he's just a suit of armor. But through Grogu, he goes the other way and becomes more human. And I think that's beautiful. That one's actually okay. On <laughs> I think that's books. like, that honestly, was, that, that's, that sounds to me like a Filoni sort of thing. Like that's something that Filoni would come up with is this way of sort of putting it into these poetic terms. So um, I really dug it. I also think it's interesting that these droids are still very like no movement at all but they've now made their eyebrows move and show expression i thought that was i thought that was really funny yeah. i thought that was like they i was like no no no, we're not going to make them actually like fluid and move but we're going to make them express we're going to make them we're going to make the furrowed brow go i thought yeah. that was i thought that i laughed at that now at yeah. first i thought it was a criticism and now i'm like eh, that's what they're limited to right. just trying to be positive but right. i think the the fight sequence was great i think it showed how Dangerous it was. Um, I liked him using the staff. I thought it was good. Huh, very cool. So then Din defeats the Dark Trooper using his Beskar spear and then proceeds to pull that lever that uh, is conveniently placed near the airlock uh, uh, for, for all the Dark Troopers, you know, where they were being held. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Din finally gets to the brig where Moff Gideon's uh, there with Grogu. And they seem to come to an agreement, but uh, then Moff Gideon strikes Din with the Darksaber, resulting in a fight that reminded me a lot of, uh, if you guys have seen the remastered Obi-Wan and Vader fight uh, from uh, that's uh, like circling on YouTube, um, it reminded me a ton of that, just with the, the sort of level of patience, but also that action, and I guess because it was happening on an Imperial ship. But guys, what were your thoughts as we saw these two characters interact again and then get their rematch? We all probably called the fact that we were going to see this Beskar spear in a showdown against that uh, dark saber, right? So, yeah. Um, again, I think this was one of the more like almost like if you think of the action as three acts, right? Like very, very well choreographed. The way they move the for camera for forty whole the seconds, <laughs> yeah. right? We've been yeah. leading up to this for nine episodes, <laughs> and it was a forty-second fight. And but and that it was even, still good though. It was still good in that forty seconds. It was fine. 
But I think it was interesting is that he instigated that fight to put Din Djarin in the situation that Din Djarin was going to be in when he was holding that dark saber, right? Like she, he, she knew what was going to have to happen. I, I really, I like the sequence, but I agree with Kevin. I think this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm conflicted by this episode. I think this episode is placed like, okay, now you have them battling. It's been set up for two seasons that they're going to battle or there's going to be some kind of epicness between. I, I Again, that's where I'm conflicted. By This is another moment where I was like, okay, but where are we going? Why, why, why is this happening now? And why is it so short when I felt like this should have been a bigger moment than it is? Mm. And I felt like it, it was just very confined. And I think, it, again, this is why I'm a little conflicted, which I'll, I'll get to later about this episode, but why I'm a little conflicted by the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I, I, and so after defeating Moff Gideon, he then gets back to the bridge and attempts to give Bo-Katan the Darksaber, uh, only to have Gideon explain that in order for her to wield the Darksaber again, she would need to defeat him in combat. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> immediately, hang on, immediately you see her looking at Mando like, I have to fight you now. Um, guys, first of all, are we aware... Are are we all aware of the Mandalorian tradition that dictates who rules over Mandalore? And do you think that Bo-Katan is the right choice for uh, to rule over Mandalore? I'm not. I don't know anything about that. I'm learning more about Mandalorian now, so, or Mandalore yeah. now, so I'd like to know. Justin, I think you're saying it makes no sense. Did you want to expound upon that? Well, it's kind of a spoiler. In Rebels, we see the Darksaber given to her because the person yep. who has it knows that they are not capable to lead Mandalore, but knew yep. that Bo-Katan was. And it just doesn't make any sense then. Does that mean that that when oh, that happens- Mr. Master Filoni has a flaw in his, in, his, or, in his consistency, does he? Or does he? Because, think about it, guys. The Mandalorians, they lost Mandalore. All of them are disbanded. It's just her and Reeves Koska and maybe that one other guy that we saw in the previous episode. Do you really think that maybe, maybe she didn't do a good enough job doing what she needed to do because the people didn't believe that she was the ruler of Mandalore because she was just given that and not she didn't get it the way that she was supposed, supposed to be getting it. That's what I was going to say is, is that the only way this whole storyline will make sense is if that we learn that there's a whole backstory to how we Mandalore... denied her that she was the leader because she didn't win it in battle because he does say it's the story more than the reward right like it's it's the story of 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 her going to battle that person to get that uh dark saber right and how well does that really work for her character to show why she is so so enthralled with not just getting the saber but defeating Moff Gideon to get that saber because she really just wants to have the the the, the people understand that she is the rightful ruler. But of what if this is also setting up for the fact that Din Djarin will be is the new be. leader yeah. of Mandalore yeah. and will bring the that's, people together? So that's literally the theme I think is happening here. Like well, again, that's what I was going to bring up later. But like, I really think that this is what this whole episode's about. Well, because I, I think, think that's what season three is. Like, I think this is what season three is going to be about. Is going to be about how they negotiate and deal. And maybe there's people that think that Din Djarin is a Mandalore and that he could lead a new Mandalorian uh, race. You know, with now the Empire gone, and Bo-Katan feels very challenged by that because of her hierarchy her 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 sort of prestigious you know birthed upon her uh expectation of what she should be uh in the mandalorian race so this all happens as we have just outlined and then it just goes away like it just goes away i agree so the dark troopers return right because they fly now uh and uh that's a little uh rise of skywalker yeah you don't need to explain Uh, it (laughs) (laughs) and so they proceed to punch away at the blast doors as dark troopers do and uh gideon believes he's won and then all of a sudden one more life form comes up on the radar and that's when we see it we see an x-wing complete with an astromech droid inside flying in to save the day we get an unbelievable hallway fight with a jedi mowing down the dark troopers the blast doors open and then we get it we get the return of the jedi luke skywalker guys what were your feelings leading up to this moment? And what did you think of how Luke was portrayed in this episode? Did you think the CG was convincing enough, Justin? Go. I literally stood out of my like off my chair when I saw the X-Wing fly. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like yes. of like all the things I like it's obviously the most obvious answer 
as to who would come. But right. the fact that we were like, no, it's Ezra Bridger. No, no, no. It's got to be Mace Windu. There's just right. so many different options. And obviously, like Luke Skywalker showing up. That hallway battle, that reminded me of the sort of juxtaposition or the mirror of Darth Vader in Rogue One. Giving Darth Vader that scene was just as important as giving Luke Skywalker this scene. Uh, like his father crucial. before him. It, yeah. Right. Okay. Words out of my mouth. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And it was probably some of the best uh, lightsaber action live action sort of stuff that isn't flippy you know Cirque du Soleil stuff that we've seen in <laughs> sure. in other other iterations this was like pure combat it was great it was fantastic Monroe what were your thoughts of seeing uh, young Luke again I, the first time I watched it the CGI took me out of the emotion of the moment I, I really wanted Mace I really wanted Mace mm, I, think he, I think I think there was an opportunity here again, which is just proves like to what Kevin said to not expect things, just kind of enjoy the ride while it's happening. I think there would could have been a really cool risk taken and a really cool theme again, where the season, the series is not going this way, but I thought it'd be interesting to see Mace Windu find peace and come to terms with Bubba Fett. I also think there'd be a really cool, I thought Luke was going to come near the end. I think I think from the very beginning of this, you know the timeline, you know when it is, you know that if Grogu's going to go to somebody, it's going to be the one known Jedi in this timeline from the very beginning of Star mm. Wars who would have been there, which was Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He's the only one in that era that we knew we about of, at that time. Yeah, yeah. And so Ahsoka Tana was for, if you just watched the original three, came out of nowhere. That's yeah. out of the, the new age. So I think Mace Windu would have been interesting, especially for Mace Windu to maybe find peace and to be one with the Force by coming to terms with Luke. Mm. I that's me galaxy brain very greedy viewer that's mm. what I wanted mm. it's not what we're getting so I I thought it was epic I agree with you I think it was mirrored to the Darth Vader Rogue One and I honestly think as flippy and how fantastical if that's a word the <laughs> prequels were for the fight sequences that scene Ahsoka Tano's and Darth Vader in Rogue One is how lightsaber fights should be. Exactly. With emotion. Well said. There, yes. is act- there yeah. was so much emotion yes. in yeah. Darth Vader, so much emotion in in the way that it just... The, you can see him summoning the Force. The fact that he uses his passion and emotion to crush that dark trooper, oh. the way that he's moving him forward, the way he throws him his saber through yeah. them. Uh, so good. That, that is how it should be. Yeah. And I like that. I think uh-huh. that was a... I, and again, that's where I'm conflicted. That's where I'm torn. Because where I wanted the series to go, where I thought the series was going for two seasons, is not what it is now. And so I'm like... I'm So watching a second time, I was just going to enjoy it for what it is and know that Luke's there. Holy crap, that's epic. The CGI brought me out of the emotion the first time I watched it. The second time I teared up looking at the Din Djarin and Grogu interaction. I think we can all agree that that hallway scene was fantastic. Um, but Kevin, I know like we've had our talks in the past about Tarkin in Rogue One and Leia in Rogue One and, and some of the yeah, deepfake stuff. I, yeah, yeah. I want to know what your thoughts Thank you. are. Thank you so much you know. for setting me, because I thought that was a terrible use of mm-hmm. facial CGI. Where it, yeah. like I didn't look at Luke and go, oh, that's not actually Mark Hamill. Wait, wait, wait. Like I was like, yeah, man, let's go. That looks... That looks like young Luke mowing oh, shit okay. down. Like, okay. I, I, like, I actually enjoyed it. Like, it never yeah. took me out for a second. I think the most amazing thing is that, like, a week ago, there were articles. Yeah. Sebastian Stan might play young Luke Skywalker, but Mark Hamill has to give his permission. Mm. And they kept it under wraps, like they did with, you know, the child before the whole scene. Like, Mark Hamill coming back and, and lending yeah. his you know, voice and, you know, somewhat face to this and that being kept under wraps for as long as it was, I think that's phenomenal. Like, I thought it was such a great moment. I personally would have liked to have seen just Sebastian Stan just do it and Luke, Mark Hamill give his blessing. Mark Hamill's not dead. Nobody else can play Luke. I don't know. It has to be Mark Hamill. I even I, if it's de-aged. Honestly, it's a cameo. I don't think they're making more Skywalker things, and it's not about signing this guy. Exactly. So, so it. If, it, if it's just for two minutes, I'll take it every sure. day of the week. Sure. I think, uh, you know what? We're, we'll definitely maybe talk a little bit more about Sebastian Stan, uh, maybe a little bit later as well when we get into our What is the Way. But, um, guys, when Din Djarin says, you know, are you a Jedi? And Luke just says, 
I am. Like, as if they pulled that audio dialogue right from when he says, I am like my father before me. And I thought he was going to say, like my father before me, but he didn't. Um, guys, I, again, I think that for all the people that wanted to see Luke uh, as a Jedi Master, they did get to see him. If they were disappointed what they got in The Last Jedi, this was, a fr- you know, this was a, a an apology for that. Again, seeing Star Wars mirror itself, right? Having that Rogue One scene and that that Luke scene mirror. I just think Star Wars mirrors itself in such wonderful ways. And this was another example of that. Guys, we're almost at the end here. Luke then informs Din that Grogu will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Then R2-D2 rolls out to say hello and to make sure that we get a two-pack of Funko Pops with R2 and Grogu uh, in about a week. Um, But uh, then Din Djarin picks up Grogu to say goodbye. Um, He lifts up his helmet. Uh, to say goodbye with his real face, uh, similar to a situ- you know what we saw in Return of the Jedi with Darth Vader. You know, let me look upon you with my my own eyes. Right. Um, and then gives gives him to Luke after promising that he will see him again. Luke, R two, and Grogu get in the elevator, and the door closes. And then this season of The Mandalorian is concluded. Guys, was this a fitting ending to the season? And what are your final thoughts and rating for this episode before we get into our What is the Way? Oh, and by the way, we're going to be rating this episode out of Decimated Dark Troopers. Monroe, let's start with you. I'll end the way I began. I'm conflicted because I think this is the way the series should have ended, not the season. I this is Mm. that's my that's interesting. That's where the point I wanted to make is I think this would have been an amazing series finale to show Luke that way and to actually have it maybe in a more battle sequence of having the Dark Troopers in a war and to have a more epic, elongated battle between Moff and Din. Mm. And I'm conflicted because now I don't know where they're going. Mm. I don't know what the whole two seasons were leading up to. It's good. But I thought it was going to be the series finale. It felt more like a series finale than a season finale because now it's like you're taking a fan base that loves Grogu. You're removing him. Now what are you doing? You can make it about the Mandalorian all you want, but you should have done that from get-go and not introduced a character that is going to be so beloved like that. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm still interested. I think it's going to be fantastic. I just, I'm confused why they would take a beloved character like that, even if he's going to see him later. Interesting. But I think there was a better way to elongate the series, but I don't know if that's their goal. So I'm trying to accept it for what it is, but I think this would, I thought that would have been a series finale moment to show the epic Return of the Jedi master in Luke and taking Mm. Grogu away. So Mm. I I like it. I would, I honestly, after watching a second time, I'm honestly, I'm like... 3.5 out of 5. Of what? I can't even say. What did you say? (laughs) Decimated Dark Troopers. Decimated Dark Troopers. 3.5 out of 5 Decimated Dark Troopers just because I'm so confused. Okay. All right. Uh, Kevin, let's hear it. Um, I I couldn't agree with Monroe more. Like, I just... As much as the show is called The Mandalorian and, like, you know, and I love Pedro Pascal... um, this show without Grogu is not going to be the same. I'm not sure how they're going to go about doing that moving forward. And so, yeah, it's it's like a, a really interesting choice to essentially take who is, like, everyone's favorite character out of the show. And now it's like, okay, so what are we left with, you know? And I also don't like the idea that, because you guys mentioned it with uh, Cara Dune, um earlier and then with our um uh, uh, post-credit sort of scene i don't want to watch a show that's just a vehicle to launch other shows and if that's all this is gonna be like no thank you i'm not here to set up your other shows thank you very much interesting i need you to make this your primary focus as long as i'm watching it right you can do other stuff that's fine but don't all, like use this as a vehicle to to make more money and launch other properties and stuff. So I, I thought it was a bit cheap in that regard. If that if this they used two seasons to launch other shows and 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 grow the brand in that way, uh, I think three point five is probably I'll, I'll go three point two just to be uh, a real negative Nancy. Just because because again, uh, like I was I, I thought. Luke showing up as as much as it doesn't work as just a season two finale, and it would have been better as a series finale. I I still thought it was cool as 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 anything, but 
I, I thought the lead up to it was cheesy and dorky and 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 the dialogue was stilted and, and all all my typical complaints. So yeah, three point two out of five decimated dark troopers. Thank you. Justin. Okay, so first thing, that scene where he takes his helmet off, I definitely cried, but I feel like that was a little underwhelming because we already experienced it in the last episode. Um, but it still had the feels because it was it was obviously it was Grogu and we, you know, I don't know. I see I see my nephew every time I see Grogu, just a Aww. little baby, right? So um yeah, so like I, I you know, just overall though, I think I think I really enjoyed this episode because it it was it had what makes Star Wars great while also showing what the future of Star Wars could be. Um I understand the idea of removing Grogu from this uh, being a, a detriment to the series, but I I'm actually excited because now I think that's the cliffhanger. He's gone. So what are they going to do? Right? Like they've they've adapted the story in a way and I don't think that they were really planning for I think they had ideas, obviously, for extending this story, but I don't know to the point of what we've already talked about in previous uh, Watch Club episodes is how far can they go with this? Like, how long can they go with this Grogu and Mandalorian story? They can only go so far. So the fact that in season two, at the end of season two, the two are are officially being separated, who knows what we might see down the road and what the direction of the show to, as we're all discussing, is going to go. So I think that's the exciting part. Uh, seeing Luke and and connecting this story to the larger Star Wars universe, I thought was fantastic. I, I, I was happy to see Luke, even though I didn't like the way he looked. I was just happy to see Luke Skywalker show up in this story and the way they represented him as a Jedi warrior and a Jedi Knight uh, was, was fantastic. I think I'd give this episode, I think a 4.8 decimated d- dark nice. troopers uh, I, I i think i think they honestly like it it has me excited it has me actually excited of of what is going to happen and to kevin's point you know what i understand the idea of two seasons building out a universe but uh, we've already done this with marvel they're just adopting the same formula they're planting Fair. the seeds they're building a universe they're building a, a climactic crossover event they've already said that that they want to do that with this series is have that same sort of weight that the marvel cinematic universe has in terms of connecting things but with star wars because it's just it's already there we'll get into that with our uh what is the way segment so mm-hmm. don't worry we'll have lots of time to speculate um but guys i have to agree with you in a lot of what you said Um, But I I did think this episode did such a great job at at highlighting each and every character uh, in it, while bringing themes of realism, loss, and hope. And while the final moments can be seen as, you know, obvious or in too much service of the fans or set up for other shows, I thought it it honestly, as much as it wasn't exactly what I wanted, it made a lot of sense based on where these characters are in the galaxy at that time. Um, The episode gave me more than I think it had to. Uh, And Monroe, to your point, it closed some narrative doors a little bit abruptly, but it also opened the series up to so many opportunities at the same time. And because of that, and because of the way that it did that, and it was so authentically Star Wars for all its faults and all its successes, um, I'm giving this episode five out of five decimated Dark Troopers. Um, I just thought, it honestly, it was just as good as any of the other major five out of five episodes that we saw. But guys, um, you know, I know that we're going a little longer in this episode, but it's the finale. So we have the right to do whatever the heck we want, Dank Farrick. So let's, uh, let's get into what is the way. After the credits, we get this really cool teaser for a new series. We see Jabba's palace now under the control of Bib Fortuna, more like Bib Fat Tuna. Am I right? It didn't look anything like him. Am I? <laughs> am I alone? No, here? The, it had the face, but he he was definitely fatter. If I took the role of Jabba, I probably would have to gain a little weight, you know, just out of respect. <laughs> then Fennec takes everyone out, leaving Bib for Boba to shoot and then rip off his throne to then take over the underworld of Tatooine. We get the title card, uh, and it says the Book of Boba coming December. 2021 guys what is the way and what does this all mean monroe i want to hear your thoughts i know you've been you've been you know freaking out you want to share everything you can well no i think with the end the ending kind of just ties in again what the whole episode was about i think it was just a love a love letter to fans of return of the jedi Mm. i think it's i think people who are who have chosen because everyone has their favorite right i think i feel like it's a cross between empire and return of the jedi and i think this was everybody's return of the jedi 
love song. It's like, what happens after? Where are they now? Uh, fans who were not a fan of, or who weren't, who weren't um, happy with The Last Jedi get their, get their moment with Luke. And now you're seeing Bubba Fett. I personally think it's going to be him post Sand Monster and, and how he lived and how he came to the point of Mandalorian. I think that's what's going to happen. So maybe with, it, it maybe it shows like flashbacks in, oh in no, a sort a of way. Prequel series? I no! think it's going to be prequel. I truly do. I think it's going to be said, prequel. That's that yeah. was my first instinct. But Kev, you said last uh, last time you would. That's a pre. That's a prequel. The series that you would want to see is how Boba Fett become gets out. I of the guess, Sarlacc but now part. that I've seen him sit on the throne, if that's like the finale, I don't want to. I don't care anymore. No, like, sure. I think now I know I think, where he ends up. My my it, thing is, is that season three? Is this season three of the man? Mandalorian Mandalorian season three December 2021 and then now they're saying book of Boba Fett is coming out December 2021 so these these are going to be running parallel to each other no like- my here's here's my theory okay James Mangold was supposed to make a a movie a Boba Fett movie and I believe that they actually were probably pretty far along in writing that Boba Fett movie I think they've taken that and they've split it up into four episodes that this is going to be a mini series i think that this is going to be a four-part book of boba fett because we get all these you know all these episodes are called chapter this chapter that so i think we're going to get that leading into the mandalorian season three and i think we're going to be getting you know to kevin's point we're going to see more future stuff of boba fett you know what happens after he sits on that throne and i also think they're going to find a way in at least one of those episodes to give us some backdrop information of how he got out of the sarlacc pit maybe a flashback that sort of thing so i, I really could see this leading into the mandalorian season three and not replacing the mandalorian season three again it's we'll have to see how it all kind of ties in but it was a nice surprise to see yeah. like that you know there's there's something that they're they have planned for boba um, to tell that story, it's not not a bad call to say that they probably adapted the 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 screenplay that they were working on for the film into like a, a maybe a mini series, and I think we'll find out how well that works. One thing I, I do want to just ask our panel, just as we start to wrap up here, um, you know, Din Djarin, you know, Kevin saying I'm done with Din Djarin. I, I'm he's done. We'll see him. Hopefully, we see him really far into the future. Um, Guys, what is your th- what are your thoughts? Where do we see Din Djarin going and where do we see Grogu going? Cuz one thing that I was just really thinking was, man, if Sebastian Stan isn't going to be playing Luke, then there's no way we're going to get a CGI Luke Skywalker for a Grogu series or a Grogu, you know, even a Grogu arc, right? We'll need an actual actor to step in there if they're going to explore more Grogu. Well, I think I think Grogu is going to show up in that droid show. That uh, they announced, oh. where it's droid, the droid and their a new friend that they have. That'd be cool. That's interesting. Um, I didn't think. I never thought of that. So I think that when, like, is, when is that supposed to be set? Well, uh, they don't. They don't we know. know nothing. We know nothing. Okay. It's just we okay. know that it's it's a new series, and and I think it's animated though, right? So I don't know if that's like going to necessarily give the feels, but at least it now kind of shifts the kids audience or the people that might generally appreciate so they can keep making toys exactly right and uh and then it's all star wars is at the end of the day right yeah, yeah. but i i do think that the events of what happened between bokatan and dinjarin with moff gideon kind of outlining what this 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 legends of mandalore is that is going to be integral to season three and which where they're going to go, and I, I think this is this is their way of kind of hard shifting because I I honestly think that they didn't know how to keep Grogu in the show and have him do so little and and the mystery around it and like there's still mystery about what they were planning to do that mystery has not been solved the 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 mystery of Grogu and his his force sensitivity that's kind of been unraveled but what were they doing what were they cloning what were they working on what did they need his his blood for that stuff has not been unraveled and that Palpatine. is a, of course but i i mean like we we know where it's going to go but we want to see more of how that kind of sure, that, unfolds. that f- unfolds right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's still a whole bunch of stuff and to me that's far more interesting that's far more interesting than constantly seeing grogu like he's cute and he's he's great but if he's only going to do what he's been doing the the little baby coup and then it's how long can that really stretch by ending this that sets up for what is going to be the future and i think that's going to be about the mandalorian and who knows if we don't see a time jump at some point in this series you know just kind of speed things up a little bit who knows but i do think that to kevin's point we should move away from din Djarin, maybe explore these other streamlined branches that are happening in this universe at the same time and maybe find our way back to din Djarin. so it'll be interesting to see how they go so monroe 
That's why I love talking to other people about their opinions. And I think your first initial reaction sometimes maybe isn't, it's your knee-jerk reaction, but I don't think maybe it's the right one where I feel like my my low rating of this episode, I, it's what I feel, but I think it's out of my own expectation. It may be just of what I, I'm trying to trying to determine whether it was because the episode wasn't good or whether it's because this is what I wanted from the series. I think it's interesting to point out that Star Wars has decided to retire Grogu on their own terms. There's very, very, lim- they're very, very minimal times in a in an athlete's career where they retire at their peak. I feel like they, you still love Grogu, and I think maybe they've decided, no, no, okay, no, no, we're gonna remove Grogu before he becomes too annoying and becomes becomes it's too much of him. So I agree. I think 100%. This whole episode was leading into Mandalore. It was leading into the Battle of the Throne, which is going to be very interesting. But the reason why my rating is so low is because the whole narrative of the show was one thing. They grabbed the attention and they gra- they chose their own destiny with Grogu. Yeah. They said, nope, we're finishing it now. Exactly. He's finishing hot exactly. and it's done. So to that point, I get it. I understand it. Do I want more Grogu? Yeah, because I'm a greedy viewer and I, and I want to have, <laughs> give me more. I, you know, I want my hit. But I think, I think it's, it could be very, very smart because now that's the true cliffhanger. And that's where I'm left confused. That's why my rating's in the middle because I'm like, where the hell do they go? Because Grogu was the show for a long time for a lot of fans, and I think they may lose some fan base out of that. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think to your point, we will. You know, we always look at Star Wars, and I think we've every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, you have that opportunity to sort of okay, now what's your ranking, right? Like, where does this fit within mm-hmm. all of the Star Wars things that have been released? We don't really do that with the TV shows because we really haven't had the opportunity to. So it's you know, it's very possible Monroe looking back after season three, after some of these other spinoff series, maybe this ends up getting a higher rating, maybe it gets a lower rating. You um, never know. You That's never know. It's fun to talk about it. Yeah, uh, Kevin, your final thoughts. Um, I honestly have no clue. Uh, I think you guys all uh, postulated like wonderful ideas and <laughs> and put forward like honestly like if if they have any sense of where this is going just based on how you guys are perceiving it might uh, play out I'm excited to see where it will go because I I am kind of at a loss right now in terms of what's the point of going forward you know Grogu's <laughs> gone and Mandalorian has served his purpose and. We've seen Boba Fett sit on the throne, so like, what's what can they possibly do? I'm not as excited as you guys seem to be about like a Cara Dune series, uh, you know. But uh, it's there's certainly a lot in the air, and 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 we'll just have to see where it's going. But Kevin, if I told you. Uh, before The Mandalorian was ever announced, that, hey, Kevin, you know how uh, Boba Fett's a Mandalorian? Well, we're going to do a show that's not about him, and uh, and it's about this random guy and, like, a baby Yoda. I'm pretty sure you probably would have been like, well, I don't really know if that's something I want, right? And now we're two seasons in, and we're, we're getting this thing. So I think, I think to your point that you kind of made earlier, let's just, we'll just let Star Wars do Star Wars. We'll go along for the ride, and, uh, and let's see where it leads us. Like, I personally watch this show because it's star wars right i don't think grogu is is the it, like he's the cuteness of the star wars that's 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 nice and, and he there's a secrecy to him are and, you and honestly telling me though that you're more interested in the din Djarin character than you were in grogu grogu was the show i know it's called the mandalorian i'm sorry people tuned in for grogu every week sure maybe but and that's fine star wars fans i think are still going to stick around though for the star wars and they might drop off we might get some drop off for for grogu but the show is still successful and again it was the now they've they've shifted it so that they've concluded grogu's story but now the mystery of what grogu was all about and and why his blood was so essential like Dr. Pershing is still alive, as we know. Dr. Pershing is still alive. So he is, there is still more to unravel to that mystery. That was, for me, the the, the only Grogu associate, is that mystery of what they wanted him for. I think there's also to a point where they've, they're staying true to their capping the Skywalker saga. Like, this was another cap on Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, right. of course, in that moment, Skywalker's going to grab him. He's going to move him away. And I, I love that you said that, like, for... Like Star Wars fans are going to be divided there, but I think people want to see the outer rim. They want to see the outer yeah. galaxy of what yeah. Star Wars is, and I think that's going to be a lot of people love the Mandalorian, the love Mandalorian, and it's going to be a battle there. And what other characters are going to come from there? That's I agree with that. That's where I, that again, like I said, I think for me it was 
I was excited to see because of how much Samuel Jackson has expressed wanting to be a part of it. I was like, I want Mace. Like yeah. Mace, Mace Windu is one of my favorite characters. So I was like, I really wanted that. And maybe he'll come up in the show in the Ahsoka. Maybe he'll come up in other ones. Who knows? But I, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And if it's going to show more of the universe and it's going to show more of what Star Wars is, then cool. Like you brought up a great point, and and wasn't that the whole point of this show? And then all of a sudden, Luke Skywalker shows up in another thing. Like nothing can be untouched by the characters we know and love from that original uh, original trilogy. Not even this show, you right. know. And also, we know where Luke goes in about fifteen years, and so you know what happens to Grogu, and, and like, do we care because he disappears and obviously isn't? Who's to say he doesn't find his way back to Din Djarin? Yeah. Which would be epic, right? If if yeah. if that happens and like like Luke like is a great teacher and it comes through because like you never know he may have gone out and like like because you know how his years are different. So within five years, let, let maybe Mandalorian season three is set ten years in the future. That's it. I right? would honestly yeah. love season three to open ten years later or something like that. Sure. Like that like yes, please. A Not return the yeah. next day. You that know? would be epic, yeah. boys. Shivers like that would be sweet. Because yeah. then cool. then you're kind of but again. And then that's where it's like, maybe this episode is better than I thought it was because you're thinking about now the outer rim of... But again, you have to do it on face value and that's why the show's great. And um, yeah. But I think I think we're, let's see what happens. Yeah. Nate, what do you think? Well, I was just saying, like, Grogu is the reason that people f- were first enamored with this show. But Kevin, to your point, Din Djarin... I think was elevated as a character, especially in these last few episodes, to the point where I do care to see more Din Djarin. And honestly, I honestly don't care to see more Grogu. I love the guy. I love the little thing. But honestly, if he goes away for a little while and comes back, that to me makes more sense than saying goodbye to Din Djarin just, for I a just, lot, little while. I just can't imagine an important enough story they can tell for Din Djarin. That's all. Hopefully we'll see sooner than later, guys. That is it. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. And Monroe, thank you so much for your input and your perspective. Yeah, man. You did a fantastic awesome job. Awesome perspective. Awesome perspective. You're far more of a fan than you'll, you care to admit, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so if you want to let the geeks uh, listening know, um, if you have anything you want to plug or where they can keep up with you, now's the time to do it. So you can keep up with me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is it's the underscore Monroe. Uh, if you like Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto Raptors stuff or my other fellow colleagues' work, I like to promote that stuff. And there'll be a couple of really interesting projects that I've done over the last year and a half and stuff I'm working on right now that'll be promoted um, in a very exciting way. I can't speak about them or, or give them titles right now, but um they're very very exciting i think they're really interesting and i think people who are geek centric are really going to fall in love with them um but i just want to say thank you boys for having me on i think that's why being geek centric is so it's so incredible because you allow yourself to be passionate you allow yourself to um care about these characters and about this universe and i think uh you boys are you know making a platform for people like that for for any any person, male, female, uh, LGBTQ, and any walk of life. I think you guys are doing a great job, and so thanks for having me on. I could not have said it better myself. Well, again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, I'm so excited to see the next season of The Mandalorian or all those other shows that are going to be spawning off of this season. Um, We won't have to wait too long, um, but we also won't have to wait too long for our next Watch Club series. Coming in January, we will be debuting Watch Club WandaVision. So look forward to that real soon and i'm sure we'll have monroe uh if he's up for it on that show as well guys thanks again so much for listening and as we say may the force be with you